You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. Excited and encouraged to be with you. Let's get our Bibles open to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Whether here in person or at home, let's get our swords wielded. Let's go. Let's get a Bible open. We can't, we can't be changed apart from the Word of God. Just not going to happen, man. That's why God wrote a book. He wants us to read it, to be changed by it. It's how our minds are renewed. It's how we think properly. It's how we live in Him. It's our reality right now. Again, I want you to understand that. When you open this book, you just, you just wielded your sword. You understand that? It's the sword of the Spirit, man. It's not just another book. It's the book of books. It's, it's God's Word. Hey, at home right now, when you're saying, you open up the Bible, you just took the sword out of the sheath. It's the sword of the Spirit, the very Word of God. Like, we got to do that, man. Again, renew your minds as to what's happening right now. Clang, the sword just got open. Let's go. That's exciting. Okay? This is what God wants to use. You haven't got a Bible in church today, man. Bring one next week. Don't leave home without it. We need the truth of the Lord, especially in this world that we live in of lostness and darkness and confusion. And here's what God's word says to us today. Here's our sermon title. How to be godly within godlessness. How to be godly within godlessness. That is the overarching theme of 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul writing from prison to Timothy. Timothy The world is godless. All around you it's godless. Here's how to be godly in the midst of godlessness. Timothy, the reality is godlessness abounds. But here's the plan, Timothy, for you to pursue godliness. Here's the plan to see the light of Christ shine in you and through you. I want to show you a picture that I grew up with as a child or teenager it was in uh, my kitchen growing up for many years. And I think this is the exact, actually, print that was there, if not very, very close to it. Pretty sure it's the exact one, though. And I remember growing up as a teenager, and I was an unbeliever at the time, but this was in our kitchen, go against the flow, and here is the Christ follower swimming against the, the, the current of the world. And, of course, the verse down here is, do not be conformed to the world. But I remember as a kid, again, unsaved, but looking at this, and, and I remember all those days of looking at it, I understood, even though I wasn't alive in Christ, I understood what it was communicating. I understood, before I was saved, the expectation, the reality, and the call for courage for someone genuinely about to be saved in Christ and to actually live for him. It was very, very helpful for me. Even when, again, I didn't believe it, I understood the call to Christ was not swimming with the current, it was swimming against. Narrow and hard is the road that leads to eternal life. Such a helpful image for me to look at and see, and then when I come to Christ, the expectations and the reality of what you're up against, but in the joy and the glory and the blessing of following Christ and his love. This is exactly what Paul's doing with Timothy in our text again today. He presents to Timothy the flow of the current of godlessness, but now he's exhorting Timothy to go against that current in the spirit-given godliness within his life. The current of godlessness is, again, abundant and prevalent, 
But now the call to swim up current against the flow in the Spirit, Holy Spirit-given godliness, that's the call. Here's the question, though. How? I mean, when the current's so strong, how do you do that? How do you see godliness in your life up against all the godlessness that surrounds you? How do you do that? Two words. Enter Scripture. This is why we have God's Word right now. Answering that question for us today, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. Take a look. You, however, Timothy, I inserted that, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Hey, Timothy, indeed all who desire to live a godly, godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and imposters, notice, will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it. What we do with our text today is we're going to see three exhortations of how to be godly, within godlessness. Three exhortations on how to be godly within godly, godlessness. This is, this is not an exhaustive list, of course. This is an encouraging list right here uh, before us today in the Word of God. Number one, then, is this. Exhortation number one is this. If I want to be godly within godlessness, I must find and follow godly examples. So critical. I must find and follow examples of godliness. So look at the first two words of verse 10. It says there, you, however. Here is Paul directly contrasting the godlessness of the wicked false teachers in the beginning of chapter 3. That's what he's doing right there. Paul just listed 18 characteristics of wicked and awful evil. Paul detailed the preying on the weak by corrupt and evil men. But now he turns to Timothy, who is his child in the faith, as Scripture tells us, and he says to him, you, however, though, Timothy, what a blessing that is. There's so much godlessness, there's so much evil. He turns now to Timothy, and he says, you, on the other hand, you, however. Oh, that we could say such words among the next generation in our day. Although we could be filled with joy to say, and by the way, join me in praying for this. Join me in begging God that he will be raising up and strengthening and empowering, giving such vision of clarity to the generation up and coming in this world around us that we could look around, uh, uh, around us to those and we could say the world is dark, the world is dead, the world is lost, the world is deceived, the world is so troubled and broken, the world is so messed up, but then turn to the next generation and say, but you, however... You, my child, you are light. You are love. You are, again, giving evidence and testimony to Jesus Christ. The power of being able to say to the next generation, this is what ultimately matters. In just a few days from now, next Saturday, there's going to be a 
a funeral held in this church. Many of you will know Tim Challies. A very popular and godly blogger. Has been for many, many years. Lives here in Oakville. Attends a church in Toronto. Has been a friend to our church for many, many years. His family encountered tragedy in the last couple of weeks. And many of you will know this already. His oldest son, his only son. Oldest child, 20 years old, down at school in Louisville, 20 years old, just one day all of a sudden out playing with his fiance and his sister, just dropped down and died in that moment. 20 years old. Totally unexpected, no preparation, no warning of any kind. You pray for that family. You pray for them how much they've been using the Lord Jesus Christ, and they're seeking a place to hold the service. They'll be here, again I said, this, this Saturday in the grief in the morning that goes on with that. You think about a situation like that, it hit me so hard. You, know, you have a 20-year-old young man who was aiming to go into ministry. You think of all the ambitions that we have as parents in life, all the things we busy our time doing, and you think about it in that moment, in that situation, and at that time again, notice when that happens, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, death comes, all of a sudden, tragedy strikes again. This is parents, parents, understand, at that moment, his marks done, don't matter. The grades mean nothing. The sports achievements mean nothing, 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 zero, nothing. They mean nothing. Could have a gold medal, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's all gone now. Popularity doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Social media, none of that stuff matters. In that, nothing. The only thing that matters is where they stand in Jesus Christ. The only thing that matters, in that, the only thing you care about is where that person is in the reality of Jesus Christ. Again, love Jesus Christ, against Jesus Christ, saved in Jesus Christ, not saved in Jesus Christ. God, give us wisdom as families and parents and leaders and people and churches. Give us wisdom. We spend so much time on that which doesn't matter and the examples that are not healthy. But then you get moments like this where you're awoken to reality and sober-mindedness, and perspective. See, this is what Paul says to Timothy is so critical. He says to Timothy, it's because Timothy chose to follow the examples of godliness. Look again at, at verse 10. You, however, have followed my teaching, conduct, aim in life, faith, patience, love, steadfastness, persecutions, and sufferings that happened to me. I wonder, I wonder if we could overstate the impact of Paul's example in the life of Timothy. I wonder if we could. I wonder if we could overestimate the way the Holy Spirit used Paul to point Timothy to godliness. I wonder if we could exaggerate the impact of who we choose to follow and how it determines our life direction. I wonder if we could overestimate, if I grabbed your phone right now, and I checked out all the people that you're following on social media or whatever it might be, and I saw that, what would I find and where would I know the direction that you're headed? Church, listen, and just, I mean, especially the younger generation, all of us right now, listen, who you follow is ultimately who, who you'll become. Who you follow is ultimately who you will become. So picking up on our theme throughout this message so far, look at this picture right here. Here's the reality of the strong current and tide of godlessness. And here you have Paul 
out in front of Timothy, and the only reason Timothy is doing well is he has in the midst of all the trouble and all the hardship and all the temptations, whatever, he is following Paul and the upward, listen, if, if, if you don't find someone to follow as a godly example in this way, in discipleship and mentoring all that's happening, you're just, I mean, it's only a matter of time, you're just here, you're here in the crowd, it's so easy to go this way, it's so easy. And it's so difficult to swim upstream, especially on your own, the example to follow in godliness. Again, can you overstate the impact of Paul upon Timothy? You can't overstate God's design in discipleship that the people that we follow most closely are those that are leading us towards the calling of Jesus Christ. Our text says, you, however, followed my teaching. My teaching The first thing listed here in verse 10. Teaching is the first on this list indicating importance. The word teaching here occurs 14 other times in the pastoral epistles alone, right? First and second Timothy Titus, pastoral epistles. 14 other times Paul highlights teaching to Timothy and Titus. Think about that for a second. Then if you look down a few verses, excited to get there the next time we jump into 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.16, take a look. All scripture breathed out by God and profitable for teaching. Teaching is right there. Now listen, the emphasis on the Holy Spirit upon the mind is incredible. It's just incredible. What we fill our minds with is so important. We must fill our minds with godliness. Godliness. There's different ways to do that to the teaching of the word of God at the highest point. Some of you know about this too, but I just want to make sure we're aware of what I consider to be an excellent new video series, television series actually. You can put a slide up on the screen for us here. It's called The Chosen. And um, the creator of the series, we know, we know as a church as well. And very excited. I've watched the first couple episodes in this. And this is a, again, you see the, 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 Recap of the bomb, the chosen first ever multi-season television series based on true stories of the gospel of Jesus Christ, based on the true stories of the characters, and they build some stories around that. Again, I watched episode number one twice this past week, both times in the end, brought to tears. Both times! I knew it was coming in the second one, I just couldn't hold back. The awesome glory of Jesus, I, I, at least as far as I have watched so far, I commend that to you. It is so much better than 99.9% of everything else on TV right now. Check it out. The chosen... Pray you'll be so encouraged by that as well, to fill our minds with godliness. Let me just say this, uh, episode number one may not be super appropriate for, for, for super young children. You just got to make sure it's, uh, it's the representation of Mary Magdalene, who was again possessed by demons, the Bible tells us, and she was delivered by demons by Jesus. So powerful to watch, though. If we notice in our text, verses 10 and 11... It said, Timothy follows Paul's teaching, but also his conduct, his, his purpose, his character, his aim in life. Timothy even followed Paul's suffering and persecution. I want you to notice in these verses, look at the depth and intimacy of how Timothy followed Paul. It's the disciple so close to his master. Again, the whole point here is that Timothy doesn't stand a chance in a world of darkness without an example of godliness in front of him. I look back upon my life in Christ, and by far, by far, the single greatest way I've grown in my walk with Christ is by God-given mentors and examples, by far. 
Oh, the grace of Paul's in my life over the years, and of course still to this day. What a joy. And when I tell you, these, these Pauls didn't always just fall in my lap. Many times you had to seek them out and ask and pray. And to see how the Lord might use that, and yet God's grace in arranging such things is just so awesome. Again, listen, who you follow is who you ultimately become. So I've always loved this quote by A.W. Tozer, an author I respect so much. He wrote this in an article, listen to the man who listens to God. Listen to the woman who listens to God. Listen to the friend who listens to God. That is so key, because otherwise, where are they leading you? Who are they leading you to? Before we follow any man, woman, friend, we should look for the oil on their forehead. I love that. Before we follow any man, look for the oil, the representation, the spirit of God upon their lives that we know they're not perfect. They are leading us to the one who is perfect. If I have any chance of seeking to be godly in the midst of godlessness, I must find and follow godly examples. We have to have examples of light to guide us through the darkness. So questions for you just as we move on here from point number one. Question this, what relationship in your life right now based on this teaching needs to end? Just point blank. What relationship right now based on this teaching today, right now, in your life, needs to end. Like, there's no question in your mind. You know it. The Holy Spirit's already been telling you for weeks. That relationship is killing your heart for Christ, not helping it. What relationship needs to be limited? What relationship in your life needs to be strengthened? You need to invest more time into a certain relationship because you know it's good for your heart in Christ. Here's the final question. What relationship in your life just needs to begin? Like just needs to start. What relationship have you never engaged with in terms of a forwarding your life relationship and love for the Lord Jesus Christ? I must find and follow godly examples. And secondly, if I'm going to be godly within godlessness, I must expect evil opposition towards godliness. I have to do that. I have to be smart and wise, what the Bible tells us. Again, look at verse 12. Verse 12, he says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, Timothy. Notice this. While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, they will be deceiving and being deceived. So, Step back a bit from our text and just notice again how honest Paul is with Timothy. Why is Paul so honest with Timothy? Here's why. To prepare him for reality. Here again we see the critical importance of expectations. The expectations the Bible is allowing us to see so we're not caught off guard when it happens. I think in our day right now, all these ministries and churches that are floundering in fluffiness, like right now, they are leaving the people unprepared. They are not ready for what's to come. And when the going gets tough, the people fall apart. The best armies in the world always have incredible training and preparation regiments. Always. I mean, just think of the detail and the preparation effort of something like the Navy SEALs. Because they're preparing for the reality of the battle ahead. And if the soldiers are not prepared, they don't stand a chance. 
Timothy, you got to be prepared. Again, think such important times we live in. Think, think, think. Ready? Think. Hey, Timothy, the exhortation is to godliness. Why? Well, because all people desire to be godly and live a godly life in Christ Jesus, they will be persecuted. Timothy, think about it. Godliness, ready? Godliness is an affront to wickedness. Godliness, church, is an attack on Satan's domain. The very increase of our godliness in Jesus Christ is spiritual warfare in itself. Godliness in our lives speak truth and light for Christ. Therefore, Satan hates godliness. Satan's terrified of the individual growing in godliness, let alone the church that rises up in godliness and light. Have you thought about it that way before? Again, let me say it this way. Godliness is spiritual warfare. The more you and I become like Jesus Christ, we are going to battle against, again, the domain of darkness. Godliness strengthens God's army. When every person here, every person is growing in godliness, every row, every seat, everyone at home, God's army is being strengthened by his grace and the power of his Holy Spirit. Think about that. Because you look at verse 12, notice it does not say, it does not say that all who desire to live a lukewarm, compromised life will be persecuted. No, because Satan loves lukewarm. He loves the compromised. It's no danger to him at all. It's true godliness he's terrified of. Think about it, church. Think about it. This is why our current society is currently right now legislating compromise and apostasy across this land. It's legislating compromise and apostasy. Why? Because Ephesians 2 tells us that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. That's why. He stands against godliness. So in order to be godly within godlessness, we also have to be ready for opposition. Reminded of this week, you know, one of the marks of true conversion is persecution. One of the great marks of true conversion in Jesus Christ is that your life is opposed. Is opposed by the enemy. See, some form of persecution. Two passages I want you to see right now based on the truth of this text right here. The first one is in John 15. Again, Jesus preparing his disciples for reality and what is to come. And many, many scriptures that say things like this. Jesus says, if the world hates you, know that it hated me first. If you were of the world, the world would love you. Isn't that so? If you were, you were just like the world, if you just went along with the current of, of, of godlessness, if you just kind of did all the sin, if you, if you didn't stand against, if you weren't lying, if you were just like the world, the world would love you. Like the friends, man, how come you're not getting drunk with me anymore? Come on, man, how come you're not smoking the dope like we are? How come? How come? All of a sudden, you're not going along with it, and all of a sudden, they have an issue with that. All of a sudden, they have an issue with you because you're not going along with the world anymore. You're not engaging in all the... And all the wickedness of sexual morality, whatever it might be, because the world would love you as its own because you belong to the world. But because you are not of the world, Jesus says, because I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. One of the verses that has made such an impact in my understanding of kind of where we are is the next one, John chapter 3. I want you to look at this one now. Jesus says this, he says, and this is the judgment, the light, that's Jesus. The light has come into the world. This is so helpful for me. And people loved the darkness rather than the light. Why do people love the darkness rather than the light of Jesus Christ? Why? Well, here's why. Because their works were evil. Because they love their sin. 
He goes on, he says, for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light. Why? Why wouldn't people come to the light? How come? The light is awesome. The light is beautiful. The light is life. The light is salvation. The light is love. The light is joy. The light is peace. The light is forgiveness. Why would people not come to the light? Here's why. Lest their work should be exposed by the light. The reason people hate the light is the light shines on their sin. And then when it shines on their sin, then they realize they're guilty. When they realize they're guilty, then they're guilty before God. They're guilty before God. They're accountable to God. They're accountable to God. They're not God. And all of a sudden, there's a problem. So i got to shun the light and hate the light, get rid of the light, disbelieve in the light, pretend there is no light so I can continue to love my sin and go on as setting myself up as God and then furthering the process of my wickedness. Because whoever does what is true comes to the light, so when we clearly seen, his works are carried out in God. I mean, an unbelie- this explains our whole society for me right now. This explains the human heart and life. So helpful for me. Think about it. Look at it. This is the reason people, Jesus explains to us, people hate the light because the light exposes their sin. So this is why we have to anticipate and expect. Again, as our text says today, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. If you want to be godly within godlessness, again, this, this cannot catch us off guard. Another text today, I, these aren't my words, I'm just telling you what God's word says. Look at verse 13. While evil people and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Wow. Evil people and imposters will increasingly, they will progress towards evil and in evil. So notice the progress that is made here. These people in this passage, they are progressive. They are progressively growing from bad to worse. Here's the real tragedy, though. They, they are being used to deceive but they themselves are deceived in the process. And there it is, isn't it? The devastation of evil and Satan. Satan is called the great deceiver. He is called the father of lies. And this is where Satan has so many people blinded. He not only uses certain people to deceive others, but they themselves in the very process are being deceived, which makes it doubly worse. How about this verse? to be applied to our day right now. Evil people and imposters going from bad to worse, deceived and being deceived. Does anyone else look around right now and see the insanity that surrounds us? Does anyone else, I mean like, hey, can I have some rational thought? No, okay. Uh, Anyone for logic? No, totally gone. It doesn't even matter, it seems, anymore. I mean, laws are being made and societies are being formed or adjusted right now upon a framework that will inevitably collapse upon itself. That's what's happening right now. So you have law and society right now building frameworks, restructuring, gutting what used to be, and building up new frameworks that cannot, cannot stand, will collapse upon itself because people are deceived and they are being deceived at the same time. I mean, just think about it. Think about it in the last several decades. You attack the role of father. Dad's in the home. You dismantle the design of God for men in the home. And fathers, you attack the role of marriage. You attack, you attack again the reality of the family. You attack the created order of male and female. 
just, it will not end well. It can't. You are literally breaking down the very essence of what God designed this world to be. Deceived and being deceived. If we want to be godly within godlessness, then we have to anticipate that there's going to be opposition. Opposition to godliness itself. Godliness itself. But this is interesting to me. Paul's preparing Timothy for this. Right here in this text. And listen, ready loved ones? The Holy Spirit's preparing us. The Holy Spirit's preparing us. Right now. For godliness within godlessness. May the Lord help us. May the Lord help us. Kind of exciting. It is kind of exciting, men. Follow godly examples. Expect opposition. And finally, thirdly, I must continue in my God-given convictions. If I want to be godly within godlessness, and I stress the word must there in that outline because it's right in our text, I must, I must continue in my God-given convictions. Verse 14, okay? But as for you, again, here's the contrast again. But as for you, Timothy, unlike those other people, you continue in what you have learned and firmly believe. Continue. You must have learned, firmly believe. You must hold fast to this, Timothy. Again, the contrast. Paul loves using the contrast for emphasis. But as for you, our text started with you, however... You, however, unlike the false teachers, and now, but as for you, Timothy, unlike the evil people and the imposters, you, but as for you, you continue. Why, Timothy? Because you've been set apart. You've been born again. You have been chosen. You've been called. You've been adopted as a child of God. You have been made holy. Listen, Timothy, you have been designed by God to be useful. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. What a call for us right now. Isn't this the Christian life? So much of the Christian life is just to not give up. It's to continue. It's to persevere. It's to press on. So much of the Christian life is the call to consistency for what is true. Oh, brother that is here today, don't give up. Don't give up. I pray for you. You don't give up. Pray for me. I don't give up. Oh, sister that is here today, press on. Press on to Jesus Christ. Press on. Again, the day's coming so soon. We'll all be in heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be. The day's coming so soon. And this world will seem like just a blip for what it is. A mist, a shadow, just a brief moment. The, west, the grass withers and the flower falls. The word of the Lord stands forever. Gone like that. Sister, press on. Brother, don't give up. Don't give up. Continue towards Jesus. Perseverance is one of the great themes of the entire New Testament for a reason. It's the call for godliness in the midst of godlessness. Continue once you have learned. Look to Jesus Christ. Again, let's just build on our little image here again today. Here's the next one I want to show you right here. Notice this, okay? So Jesus Christ, of course, fix your eyes on Jesus Christ. Paul is following Jesus. And Paul says again to the churches, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. 
Love Jesus, worship Jesus. I'm telling you, just, just even watching that, 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 that first episode this week and the way that it ends on The Chosen and seeing Jesus and how they portrayed him and how he again heals Mary Magdalene. I'm looking at this like, that's it, that's it. He's my savior, he's the one. He has the answer, he's the power, he's the glory, he's the love. And tears streaming down my face because who else can I look to? I follow examples that they follow Jesus. That's how to be godly within godlessness. And at that moment, you see Christ so clearly, you're like, where else can I go? Where else can I go? For you hold the words of eternal life, John 6, Peter says. What are my alternatives? Nothing. No one. Jesus. There is no other alternative. Jesus, I'm yours. And you are mine. Look to him. Love him, listen, follow him, follow him, follow him. What is the greatest way ultimately we look to Jesus Christ? Our text answers that. It says, and what you have learned and firmly believed. Notice that. Verse 14 leads into verse 15, just in case you weren't aware of the total obvious. In which, but I want you, and this is when, when we regather next time in 2 Timothy, we're going to start unpacking the glorious doctrine of the word of God. Because it just this launches into this incredible, detailed description of the power of God's word to renew our minds and to be sanctified by it. Because Paul says to Timothy, you continue in what you have firmly believed. In verse 15, he describes the sufficiency of God's word. In verse 16, he describes the inerrancy or inspiration of God's word. And in verse 17, he describes the process of sanctification by God's word. Can't wait for that message. Oh, church, the way to be godly in the midst of godlessness is to continue in our God-given convictions. One of the great themes of 2 Timothy is guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Church, 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 not just for me, for all of us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. I'm telling you what's going to take everyone home right now. Everyone at home, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Just sit up a little bit straighter for me right now, please, please. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. This is where life is lived. This is, this is what we need to do. There's no more powerful tool to see godliness in the midst of godlessness than the word of God. God, give us a hunger for you and your word. Holy Spirit, would you work so powerfully in this right now? I can't change people, Lord. You can, and you do. Help us to not give up. I, just to end our message today, there's a story that I've heard Revy Zecharias tell a few times before. I think it's just so awesome. I think it fits so well into how we end here. He tells this incredible story. His friend from Vietnam, his name is Hain, and he was a translator for the ministry that Ravi was a part of. And shortly after Vietnam fell, Hain was imprisoned on accusations of helping the Americans. His jailers tried to indoctrinate him against his democratic ideals in the Christian faith. He was restricted to communist propaganda in French or Vietnamese, and the daily deluge of Marx and Engels began to take its toll. Maybe, quote, maybe he thought, I have been lied to. Maybe God does not exist. Maybe the West has deceived me. So Hain determined that when he awakened the next day, he would not pray anymore or think upon his faith. The next morning, he was assigned to the dreaded chore of cleaning the prison latrines. 
As he cleaned out a tin can overflowing with toilet paper, his eye caught what seemed to be English printed on one piece of paper. He hurriedly grabbed it, washed it, and after his roommates had retired that night, he retrieved the paper and read the words. On it read, Romans chapter 8. Trembling, he began to read, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. For I am convinced that nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hain wept. He knew his Bible, and he knew that there was not a more relevant passage for one on the verge of surrender. He cried out to God asking for forgiveness, for this was to have been his first day that he would not pray. Evidently God had other plans. What his tormentors were using for refuse, the scriptures could not be more treasured to Hain. After finding the scripture, Hain asked the commander if he could clean the toilets every day. Because he discovered that some official was using the Bible as toilet paper. Each day as Hain picked up a portion of scripture, he cleaned it off and added to his collection of nightly reading. Praise the Lord. There's no way that we will be godly within godlessness without choosing to follow godly examples, without expecting opposition, and without holding fast to our God-given convictions. Help us, Lord. Amen. Help us, Lord. Amen. Time this. Let's pray. God, help us. Holy Spirit, fill us. Renew our minds. Convict our hearts. Oh, God, I pray for our young people so much. I pray for everyone. My heart's burned for everyone, but especially our young people. That they would see what's the alternative. Follow, follow the world. What's the alternative? Going after the lust of the world. What's the alternative? Just being brought down into more and more sin. Really? Really? Oh, God, I pray open their eyes. Open all our eyes, God. Open our eyes to see the reality of wickedness. Satan, he deceives. At the same time, us being deceived. Oh God, help us to see the light. To see the light. Who are we following? At the end of the day, who are we following? One day so soon, Jesus Christ returns. And the joy of being able to look up. The joy of being able to look up. And every enemy of Jesus Christ shudders in horror at his sight. Yet we will look and say, there's my Savior. There he is. I've given my life for him. I don't regret a second. I don't regret a second. There's no one else. You are who I follow. Oh God, raise up men and women. Raise up men and women in our midst. Have a disdain for sin and a love for what is good and righteous. Oh Lord, do it. Oh Lord, do it. We need you to do this. You are working, God. You are working in our midst. I know it. I see it. I believe it. I feel it. Continue to work in our midst. We pray this now. We sing this now. In the name of Jesus.